Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date Sunday the 3rd of September 2023. There are an infinity of universes, each flowing from a single event. Parallels reliant on each other for existence, but detached and separate. Effect follows cause, tick follows tock. Variations of history and historical figures falling in variations of love. Tunic and Benji! Hello you! I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama and this podcast all for the love of stories. And a beautifully almost family-related podcast today as we feature one production starring David Tennant and another starring his father-in-law, Peter Davison. As for our chat, I'll be talking about camping. I don't know what Benji will be talking about, though. If he has any sense, he won't be listening to me. (laughs) (laughs) And after that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guy, reviewing the reviews of The Fourth Doctor Adventures, The Nine, starring, of course, Tom Baker. Yes. He has a device that can take the heaviest object and make it weigh next to nothing. Then we go behind the scenes with this week's star release, starring David Tennant in the long, 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 long long-awaited graphic novel sequel adaptation, Luther Arkwright, Heart of Empire, and the first segment entitled daughter of Albion. It also stars India Fisher, Siri O'Neill, Jez Fielder. Do you know Jez Fielder? Have you heard of yeah, him? Yeah. And Robert Jezek, who has played that sergeant in the Battlefield, you know, with the 7th Doctor. Ah, and yes. Yeah. And we'll be hearing from all of them, uh, plus the production's director, none other than our Lord and Master, Big Finish Company Chairman, Jason Hay-Gallery, who'll be talking about his passion for Luther Arkwright and the restraining order. No, sorry. Uh, it's released this <laughs> Tuesday, the 5th of September. My name is David Tennant. I play Luther Arkwright. Following that, listeners' emails disgorge their contents sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. As always, thanks for your lovely emails. Oh. Also available, The Fifth Doctor Adventures in the Night, and we go behind the scenes with a story entitled Pursuit of the Nightjar. Set on a spaceship and written by the very prolific Tim Foley, released this Thursday, the 7th of September. Uh, my name is Peter Davison, and I play Doctor Number Five. Then the randomoid Electatron will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount skillfully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. Only time will tell which release will be featured. Well, unless you can unlock this time-locked clue, that is. Close the door, James McCrimmon. And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week, it's from Luther Arkwright, Heart of Empire, Daughter of Albion, adapted by Mark Wright, and starring David Tennant. I am the chosen agent of the people of the truth. I am blessed, and you will not kill me. You will not be able to pull that trigger. You forget one thing, Cromwell. What? Your death wish. Ever been camping, Benji? Yeah, I've done the old camp here and there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my favourite camping adventures have always been music festivals, really. Ah, yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's fun camping. And, uh, you know, I remember my favourite thing. Before I had a beard, I used to be a, a real avid shaver. 
and I remember at a music festival. <laughs> I, love shaver. Okay, I just right. loved shaving. Every day I was I had to have a clean shaven face. I yes. miss it a lot actually. But anyway, I remember being at Glastonbury Festival and being like, I have to shave, I can't not. And I didn't have any water hanging around. And all oh. I had was some fizzy peach drink. <laughs> so I shaved my face, sat there with I shaved my face with fizzy peach. Um wow, that must have given you a real tingle. It certainly gave me a lot of wasps that day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what time of year was the festival? Oh, the height of summer in the middle of a heat wave as well. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, you, you know, camping's all right if you've got the right gear. Got a good mattress, good blow-up mattress, nice yeah, tent. Yeah. You know, it's waterproof. Yeah. Then you're fine, you know. It's, if, if your tent's broken, like one Glastonbury year when my tent was broken, and I also had my wisdom teeth flaring up. Oh, then, my goodness. Um, it was the worst nightmare. It was so painful. Um, yeah, not fun. Not a fan. No, no, I think... I mean, But you go, gave a good positive spin on camping there. I'm, I admire you for that and your positivity, <laughs> Benji. You know me. Um, I always try to be positive. I've just been camping for the last time. <laughs> um, I, I went to the beautiful Brown Sea Island, which I went to quite a few years ago, and, and that was okay. We were on inflatable mattresses. This time we were in what was called a tree tent, and we thought it would be rather a quaint sort of thing right up in the trees with a ladder, but it's just suspended less than two feet off the ground, attached by industrial strength uh, f- fixing material to um, trees all around, you know. And, uh, and it's like sleeping in a big hammock, but, you know, with more than one person in. So every time you move, the whole thing sort of swings around all over the place. Well, for one reason or another, that wasn't too bad, but I had to vacate that during the night and then ended up on a, in, a, in a more traditional tent with an inflatable mattress, um, which deflated over the course <laughs> of two hours. And I woke up on the hard ground and then it deflated again. And... Um, then I decided to go. It was only five o'clock in the morning and the next boat wasn't until 9.30. <laughs> I stomped off into the pitch black, got to the quayside and waited until just before seven and I managed to catch a lift off a very nice guy in a private boat who gave me a lift to a place called Sandbanks, which was nowhere near where I needed to be, which was pool to catch a lift. So I had to walk from Sandbanks to pool. I think it's like four point something miles in the wrong kind of shoes, getting blisters, being rained on. 4.7 miles. 4.7. I wanted to say 4.7, yeah. That's quite a long way to walk if you're not a very fit person, isn't it? It looks quite a fiddly walk as well. It is a fiddly walk. I had to keep... Luckily, I had some phone battery and I was able to sort of look at the route. I, I made a few incorrect turns but anyway managed to get to pool station blah blah well i won't bore you with the rest but it was you know, i left my family there uh, <laughs> they're not back yet um uh, i think they're having a fun time but uh that that will be my last bit of camping really it's I, not I, for everybody it's an acquired taste is camping well, and, and and it's very easy to lose your rag when you're camping yeah, I couldn't find it anywhere, my rag. It was gone. It was up a tree somewhere. <laughs> I, I did think, I said this to you earlier, Benji, I did think I could do this, you know, if if I'd been uh, subjected to some natural disaster or an invading army and, you know, my home had gone. I, I could do it, but I kept thinking, this is meant to be for pleasure. This is meant to be something that's going to make me relax and enjoy myself. And And I was having such a bad time. Anyway, Brown Sea Island is beautiful. I love the way they pronounce it. Not Brown Sea Island. Brown Sea Island. It's like Brown Bouncy Sea Island. Bouncy Island. Brown Sea Island. It is a beautiful, beautiful place. And they've got red squirrels there. Ah, oh, the famous red squirrel. They're lovely. I saw one as well. Uh, yeah, they're very difficult to find, isn't it? 
yeah, I'm very pleased with that. Oh, I got that out of my system. You got that out of your system. Well, there we go. You've heard it from Briggs right there. <laughs> go to Brownsea Island, but maybe stay in a hotel. Um, but you can't <laughs> stay in the hotel. It's owned by uh, John Lewis, and only John Lewis employees can stay in it. That's mad. There we go. Get a job at John Lewis and then stay in a hotel. Anyway, time for the Good Review Guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised this week, we're looking at the fourth Doctor Adventures, The Nine. No. No, please. No! It was the same dream. Always the same. You were being dragged down into the earth? I've had nearly the same dream. The same, I tell you. The same dream? From Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who. The Fourth Doctor Adventures. The Nine. You there! Which way did he go? Uh, that way, sir. Then what are you standing there for after him? You should still be in hospital. Ah, Doctor, look out! We've been spotted. It's a checkpoint. Ah! Captain Beck said you were a spy. I am not a spy. Then who are you? This is the new war machine of the future. Ah! It doesn't make any sense. Now, Schumann, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. (laughs) From inside a padded cell. Now I know you're mad. Ah, finally. Do you know how long I've been sitting here on my own? A few minutes, not long. (gasps) Just go to bigfinish.com and type the nine (laughs) into the search pane at the top to find this one. That's what Ian McArdle did at coltbox.co.uk across three quite distinct tales. Tom Baker remains as ebullient as ever with nary a talking cabbage in sight. He proves that his doctor can indeed travel alone successfully. And that's four out of five stars, or four blue stars and one white star. Uh, Ebullient means uh, exuberant, buoyant, cheerful, merry, sunny, breezy, jaunty, light-hearted, in high spirit. Shut up, Briggs. Um, Ian, you could have just used that word instead of using a weird Um, word. Some people say ebullient, so I could be wrong. I've always said ebullient, but there you go. Um, now then, praise silence for Peter Nolan. Hey. Uh, I hardly, he needs no introduction from me. Uh, from blogtowho.com. Peter, we're huge fans of your career. The game show hosting, the oh. sitcom, the cabaret. Is there anything else? Does he have another string to his bow? He did do that terrible documentary series about traffic on the M1. <laughs> um it was just it was a four episode thing and yeah. the majority of it was just him sitting there going you probably recognize me with such programs as bird boxes through the ages with peter nolan but here is traffic with peter nolan it was this series of things with peter nolan in the title and uh, yeah it, it wasn't great i think the highlight is when the queue started moving and then stopped again <laughs> um yeah yeah what it's a, a shame no, i mean you can't always have a hit peter but uh that was a brave effort, I thought. I think it was... I thought yeah, so, yeah. Brave, you know. brave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as with... Uh, Peter says, as with all the current season of Fourth Doctor Adventures, the setting is between the deadly assassin and the face of evil when the Doctor is travelling alone. It seizes the opportunity to bring the Time Lord himself to the fore. Uh, 
and the stories here give Barker Baker even freer reign than normal to be his whimsical, wittiest best. Yes. Very ebullient or ebullient. Ebullient. Some bullion. Gold bullion. SciFiPulse.net's Razor Devro says Tom Baker is superb as ever. Of course. Among supporting cast, Richard Dixon is pitch perfect as Detective Inspector Alan Probert. Uh, for their parts, Jules de Jong uh, and Ava Merson O'Brien are wonderful as peak inspired denizens. Of course, uh, Jules de Jong plays Atlanta Shore in our. Um Stingray episodes. Certainly as well. does, Doctor Atlanta Shore. Um, <laughs> the standout performer, however, is John Heffernan ah. as the Nine. Yes, fantastic. He absolutely owns every scene he's in. Thanks again, Big Finish, for top-notch escapist fare in these unsteady times. Nine point five out of ten. Uh, I can't speak highly enough about John Heffernan. I mean, I could try. John, John Heffernan. No, I can't. Pretty high. Speak high. That, was, that was quite high. That was quite high, wasn't it? Uh, f- now, great uh, um, websites name here a oh, faceless faceless O'Neln is that what one faceless, faceless one, one in, so in. I, I can't I can't split these faceless O'Neln's my name <laughs> faceless one in uh, dot wordpress dot com series 11b has a good solid selection of stories that would definitely please any fourth doctor fan I mean any fourth doctor fan uh, facing familiar foes locations and famous faces the box set makes for a good five hour listen the only point that I would make here is that there's no standout story everything is good but nothing is spectacular which is a real <laughs> shame considering blood of the time knots from the previous set quickly became one of my favorites throughout the entire doc- fourth doctor adventure range as the next series sees the return of margaret hopwood as a companion alongside leela i'm quietly excited as they'll face off against one of my favorite villains the ice warriors box set rating eight out of ten that's fairly generous considering you were a little bit iffy about it yeah, you know, fair dues, very kind, fair yeah. very kind. Uh, and then on some old media site or something, old social media, uh, Newt fifty nine fifty nine ninety six says a wonderful back half for series twelve of the Fourth Doctor Adventures. Makes oh. it sound like some kind of football team, doesn't it? And that was a wonderful back half there for series <laughs> twelve of the Fourth Doctor Adventures there. <laughs> Next week, the Good Review Guy will be casting an eye over Torchwood Dead Plates, featuring the terrifying Billis Manger. Coming up soon, listeners' emails, the Fifth Doctor Adventures in the night, and the Randomoid Selectatron. Oh, I love it. But first, let's go behind the scenes with this Tuesday's rather wonderful release, starring David Tennant, but not as that Doctor Who bloke. It's Luther Arkwright. And just to put you in the picture, um, this is something off of the internet, uh, as they like to say. Uh, Luther Arkwright is a comic book written and drawn by Brian Talbot. Uh, The story is adult in tone, with many mythological, historical and political references, and a little explicit (coughs) sex. Uh, Writer Warren Ellis calls Arkwright probably the single most influential graphic novel to have come out of Britain to date. Praise indeed. Praise indeed from a soldier. (laughs) My name is Jason Hay-Gallery and I am directing Luther Arkwright, Heart of Empire. I am Luther Arkwright, the assassin, the reaper, the avenging angel of the apocalypse. 23 years ago, I began a revolution. 23 years to rebuild, reform, recreate. And then, 
the cataclysm would come again. I've always been a fan of Luther Arkwright. I, I came across the original series of comics in 1987 when I was at university. And it really appealed to me because it, it was very different to most of the films and television series which we were seeing at the time. And I fell in love a little bit, I think, with it, as did a lot of people. It is one of the most influential comic books of its generation. And a lot of subsequent writers uh, have come to reference it and say how much it influenced them. So it was always there in the back of my mind. And one of the things I wanted to do when we got Big Finish up and running was to do some of the stuff which I really wanted to go back to. Obviously, Doctor Who came first after Bernice Summerfield. And then we looked at things like The Tomorrow People. And then after that, I thought, what do I really want to do? And Luther Arkwright came to mind. So I managed to track down Brian Talbot, contact him. And uh, very quickly, uh, he listened to a couple of productions. And he said, great, let's, uh, let's do it. So we got the rights and we recorded it with a young up-and-coming actor called David Tennant as Luther Arkwright. My name is David Tennant. I play Luther Arkwright. It was introduced to me by Big Finish and uh, my first experience of it was reading the script for the first instalment, which was 15 years back now. I was always delighted to be working, as I still am, frankly. I'd done work with Big Finish before. I think I got a sort of thumbnail description of what it was going to be and I think I probably said yes before I'd read it to be honest uh, and then I did read it and was captivated And but there's something very uh, hypnotic about the worlds that Brian Talbot creates I think and these characters and, and then when you see some of the, the visual references from the comic books it was hugely appealing. By the time we did it there was actually a second book Heart of Empire which was published in 1999 so after we did the first one, The Adventures of Luther Arkwright, David said, don't worry, I'll come back and do the next one. And unfortunately, David got a little bit sidetracked because he got tied up in a little series called Doctor Who. And then his career took off. And we didn't get him back until 2015. Understandably, his first priority was to do Doctor Who again. And then I did ask him on several occasions to come back for Luther and he said yes we will get that done we will get that done and it all happened during the pandemic uh, in May 2020 David was able to have the time to sit up in his studio in his house and record all the stuff we needed for Heart of Empire I remember them I mean 15 years ago is quite a long time quite a lot's happened uh, in between but uh, I very much remember and I don't remember how long it took I don't remember how many days we worked on them, but I remember it being fun. I can I can visualise where the it was the old studios that Big Finish used back then. Yeah, so it was it was a yes another life. I remember enjoying it. India Fisher was there and Siri Neal and well Paul Darrow was had obviously been someone I'd grown up watching in Blake Seven. He, he, so it was a thrill to work with him, and he was a gentleman. He was lovely and uh, and sort of the ultimate villain. I mean, that voice he had that was like treacle. 
glorious to to get to work with him. It, it took longer than most productions do to get together, and we actually ended up doing three different sessions for it. And the reason for this is that we were asking uh, a number of people to come back, who, in a couple of cases, they'd stopped acting, so they had real jobs. So, for example, Jez was working over in France, and Cyril uh, O'Neill stopped acting shortly after working with us, in fact, on Louvre Arkwright. And she uh, is very successful at what she does. So it was a question of finding times when everyone could come together and reuniting certain cast members who hadn't been in the same room for 18 years, which was really, uh, it, it was great, actually, because everyone fell back into the rhythms very quickly of their characters. And it was especially interesting to see India Fisher come back as Queen Anne because... Her voice had changed very slightly and had aged a little bit. The second book is set about 20 years after the first book, and we were recording 18 years after we did the first one. So in terms of I didn't have to ask anybody to age up a little bit or, or so forth because it was all naturally there. My name is India Fisher, and I've been playing Queen Anne. That sounds weird to say. <laughs> I nearly went into, and I've been playing Charlie Pollard. No, no, Queen Anne, woohoo! If only you could see your queen now. Anne Reginus, Empress of the World. She's maniacal and brilliantly unhinged, I would say. <laughs> She's, as she says, doing a slightly unhinged laugh. It's, um, it's feeding into sort of where I am at the moment. It's quite useful. No acting required. Yeah, she's, she's good. She's uh, definitely doing things for her own ends and the ends of her offspring. Let's put it that without giving too much away. She is a tiger mother of the nth degree. It was lovely to direct India again because she's phenomenally talented, an amazing voice actress, and she's so easy to direct. Well, she's got a, she's got a smidge older, I might say, just a just a couple of years. Do you know the awful thing is that um, I was I was just saying to uh, Jez that I was so hideously ill the last recording um, I had uh, food poisoning the night before and so I don't massively remember a huge amount about uh, about the actual recording of it but um, I would say she has definitely grown in her world dominance and her need to control. My name is Georgina Hellier and I've been playing Victoria. It was brilliant meeting India. She also has you know a character that's very commanding or she gives the appearance of being very together and commanding but underneath is a woman kind of grappling with her own grief which of course Victoria also experiences she lost a brother her mother lost her son so there's this although Victoria was very young she does have kind of flashes of memories with her brother and there's an element of guilt there she's she's angry there's a lot they haven't dealt with individually and rather than sort of healing together they take a sort of much more combative relationship they're not they don't see eye to eye there's no empathy or sympathy um, on the behalf of her mother so Victoria somehow has got had to kind of become the person she is without a mother's support my name is Siri O'Neill and I've been playing Rose Wild we recorded this um, 18 years ago and uh, time has passed for Rose and for all of the characters 
and on a similar scale. So there is a nice sense of not trying to recreate something as it was, but allowing the passage of time to have taken its toll on the voice. And it feels like a, a nicer way to be doing this than just to go back and try and recreate the young Rose. Hi, my name is Robert Jezik, and I've been playing Karl Vashinko. When you think, what did I do 18 years ago? What was the story? More importantly, what voice did I use? And so forth. And someone managed to find it in the files of electronic media and play it back. And it's like, oh, ding, yes, thank you. Now I remember. <laughs> I just think it's a great, uh, great idea. And always, that's the thing. I mean, big finish like... Uh, good sci-fi it's the ideas that count uh, the production of course is important needless to say but it's the ideas that stay with you hello i'm heather challens and i'm the producer of luther arkwright heart of empire jason asked me to come on board back in february 2022 so there had already been some stages of production completed david Tennant had already recorded and so all that was sort of left for for me to do was help with some of the script elements and then get the rest of the recording block done and take it forward to release. I mean, I think I always had a grounding in it because, it, I, you know, I'd, I, I'd watched and read stuff like that. So I, I, I think I understood the vocabulary of sort of science fiction. But the truth is every science fiction writer who creates their own world, creates their own rules and creates how that world that... that that they are, uh, that becomes their wheelhouse operates. So, you know, you have to kind of get up to speed on the rules and regulations uh, of, of exactly what's going on. And, uh, and and these, there are sort of quite particular rules to the worlds of Luther Arkwright. So perhaps I do have an advantage in understanding it just because I, I sort of know how these stories tend to work. But then this story is its own story with its own unique mechanisms and rules and regulations. So, so uh, it's a, uh, Yes, it, it takes a bit of bending of the brain to fully appreciate the world of Luther Arkwright, but it's definitely worth the effort. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Luther into the search pane at the top to find our two Luther Arkwright releases. And remember, it's released next Tuesday, the 5th of September. Meanwhile, it's time for... Mr. Z-Mail... That's right, and I think uh, uh, prolific writer Warren Ellis says if you want to get your emails in, just send them to podcast at bigfinish.com. Um, praise, I think you'll agree. No, no, he didn't say that. I'm saying that. Send them to podcast at bigfinish.com. They might get read out. Not always, but we try. First up, we got one here from John Wilson, um, who is actually uh, the name of my favourite fisherman, and I'm not even joking. John Wilson. Well, you, fantastic you it wouldn't be fisherman. funny if you were. If you, if you want to... Uh, is it John Wilson, fisherman? Just double check. I'm second guessing myself, but he is. John, it's yes, a good it reassuring name, John Wilson. Isn't John it? Wilson. He, he did these fantastic director video fishing things, no. and it's very, it's very relaxing. The word fantastic with the rest of the sentence doesn't really tally up. For oh, me. I don't know. Do you know a great word he uses for a big fish? What's and I, don't, I thought it was just him, but it's a fish enormous. Uni- <laughs> no, it's a, it's a universal word for a big fish. He yeah. called it a clonker. He said, Kyo, I've caught a right clonker here. A clonker to me sounds like something that's a bit naff. No, a bit you, say, you say, that's a clonking big fish, that one. Look, at that's a real clonker. I um, suppose I'm thinking of a clunker. A clunker, you yeah, know, it's a clonker. 
Um, right mm. in, have you heard the expression clonker before? Um, anyway, the subject of this email by John Wilson, not the fisherman, is SJS versus JRC. Sounds like two finance companies. Clonker is a derogatory term, means idiot. No, no, no. Type in clonker fishing. Clonk. Yeah. A clonk is a fishing tool which is used in Europe for fish, for Wells catfish. So there we go. Okay. And if you look through, there's loads of things on there where people... What a clonker! There we go. And a clunker is a dilapidated vehicle or machine. <laughs> see, see, there's... See, if there's look. What a clonker. World sea fishing. The clonker clonk, the catfish caller. Um... <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We've just, just getting we've weird now. A, we've just unlocked a whole new level of madness on this podcast. Clonking good fun. Um, there we go. Urban Dictionary. Um, so it says here, a clonker is a common fisherman's phrase to describe something big. Big. Oh, yeah. That fish is a clonker. Anyway, um, I dear think Nick you're and Benji, you're a bunch of clonkers. No, stop <laughs> it. We're just really big fish. Who had more episodes, Heinz or Sladen? Uh, we were talking about this a few weeks back. We were. Um, it says it, it may be Jamie on Doctor Who proper with 116, according to Internet Movie Database, but episodes on TV as their character goes to Liz Sladen, who had the series spin-off and appearances on the Revive show to bring her up to, quick back at the coast of calculation, 138 total episodes. You see, I, when I think of who had the most episodes, I, I think about their tenure as a regular companion, mm. as a kind of thing. Yes. And I, I kind of don't think about spin-offs and um, returns, no. he says, working for Big Finish, which is all about <laughs> returns and spin-offs and Well, magic. I was talking about the original TV series. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, the, the, the original, <laughs> you might say. Um, maybe Jamie passes the total if we add in Big Finish appearances. But maybe Liz Sladen's Big Finish appearances give her the lead yet again. Do we need to look at books and comics? Now all I can picture is Liz Sladen and Fraser Hines in two little, like, Formula One cars. <laughs> yes, and that's it. Oh, and Liz Sladen there. She's, um... got the lead, she's got the lead again. What's that? Uh, Fraser Hind there, he's, he's got out a huge clonking fish and is going to throw it. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, meanwhile, Liz Sladen fillets a salmon, uh, which is Nick's uh, famous memory. Uh, yes, why, I was going to say, how I did you it. know that? Yes, she was Magic, filleting Nick. a salmon while I was talking to her on the phone. Magic. Um, your face, you looked utterly enchanted by that. How um, could you have remembered that? That's I'm inside your head. <laughs> uh, of course, it's not too late for the Jamie Armour Crimin Adventures to launch on TV in 2024 with Jamie, <laughs> his adopted daughter and his adopted daughter's friends tackling Sontarans, The Silence, A Fragment of Scaroth, uh, 70s style Silurians. Yeah, try, try saying, saying that, that if you've had a glass of sherry. <laughs> and the Weeping Angels. Plus, all new monsters and aliens circa 1800 AD, with the occasional help from a time-displaced comedian. I'll explain later. <laughs> um, just the thought. Best regards, John. Sent from my Vortex Manipulator. <laughs> Well, that series is obviously a winner. Um, next up, uh, Matt Mayhew, who's joining in this debate. Longest companion is the subject line. He says, Nick and Benji, um, which is our names, which is a good way to start uh, an email, I feel, especially sent to this podcast. In a recent podcast, you ask, asked 
AI about who was I was wondering whether that was Al or not with the, <laughs> the font I'm using here it doesn't differentiate between a capital I and a lowercase l uh, about who was the longest companion but got confusing answers I was intrigued to find the answer so I went through the TARDIS wiki to find out the answer and I was also curious to see if adding the Big Finish audios would change this for audio only companions I've split them into their original one the original the and, original you might say <laughs> and subsequent stories there are three ways I've seen to measure this the number of episodes number of stories and length between first regular appearance and last here are the results top five for each method for the number of episodes original run one charlie pollard 142 two mm-hmm. jamie 113 three erem 92 four hex 91 five Evelyn, 87. Excluding audio companions, it's Sarah Jane, 80. Joe, uh, equal with Barbara and (laughs) Ian, 77. I've lost track of what all this means. Good luck, folks. Uh, TV and audio, uh, 1... Nissa 320 2 Ace 293 3 Jamie 278 4 Leela 272 5 Tegan 265 Number of stories original run 1 Liv 74 2 Helen 46 3 Charlie That's not how you spell Charlie by the way uh, um, 38 4 Lucy 30 5 Clara 30 Excluding audio companions, Amy, 27, Yaz, 24, uh, equal Rory and Rose, 21. TV and audio, 1, Leela, 129, Dogger, sorry, I thought I was reading out the um, (laughs) shipping forecast there, 2, Nissa, 108, 3, Ace, 107, becoming cyclonic, mainly north, Uh, 4, Romana, 2, 90, and 5, Perry, 86, Gale Force, 10. Uh, length of appearances, TV appearances only. One, Yaz, 1,477 days. Wow. Well, I suppose it, yeah, it was a long time. Yeah. Uh, two, Tegan, 1,082 days. Three, Sarah Jane, 1,043 days. Four, Perry, 976 days. And five, Jamie, 917 days. Adding audio appearances is biased towards who started at Big Finish first. Nissa, Perry, Ace, Turlow, Mill. This is a useless piece of knowledge, but maybe it'll help in a pub quiz someday. Hope you will have enjoyed your holiday. Delete as appropriate. We won't go back there. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, now I'm off to enjoy my first listen through of Stranded. Excellent work as, all, as always. Uh, someday we need to see that floor pan of 107 Baker Street. Matt Fitton gave you Benji. Oh, you yeah, where's the floor plan? Oh, yeah, I will, I, I will sort that out. Don't worry. Yeah, but we, we should reveal that. We must talk to our marketing people about that. Uh, anyway, thanks, says Matt. And thank you, Matt. I read out so many numbers there. I'm I'm really uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's nightmare when it comes to numbers. Anyway. <laughs> well, if you want to talk longest companions in centimetres, then Rory Williams, Arthur Darville, uh, and of course Ian Chesterton, William Russell, come in at six foot one, being the tallest companions. Wow. Followed by Peter Purvis and John Barrowman at six foot. There we go. There you go. So you've got the. We, we, I thought I feel like we covered all grounds now. You know. Absolutely, I'm. I feel like I'm sort of fast asleep. <laughs> and now, longest in terms of metaphysical content, in terms. Of... 
Anyway, geographical um, proximity Snyder, to Peter Davison. Peter, I saw a, a, and some article this morning. And people were complaining because somebody mistyped Paul McGann as Peter McGann, <laughs> uh, which it just just made me laugh. Well, do you uh, realise that last week someone sent in an email and they referred to a voiceover by Peter Allen, and we didn't know what it meant because they accidentally put Peter on than Patrick Allen. Patrick Allen, because they didn't know who Patrick Allen is. I saw a great thing shared house. on Facebook this week, which is uh, it was an, a documentary series about ocean liners narrated oh. by Patrick Allen. Wow, where's that? And the oh. whole thing was, it's I've got a clip of it right here on my phone. I'll send it to you now. Thank and you, you hear Patrick Thank Allen you. talking about but the ocean liner. <laughs> he has that one. I love listening to anything he says. Yeah. The ocean liners are in the in the ocean. <laughs> Great it's full of insightful f- observations like that. I'm I'm in, you know. I am an ocean liner. <laughs> you are an ocean liner. <laughs> Let me see if I <laughs> That's can. That's from um, Horror Fang Rock, isn't it? That's the fog horn. <laughs> well Fang. done. Well done. Here we go. Can you hear that? Hold on. The QE-2 is the largest passenger ship afloat. Bristling with the most advanced technology and capable of a speed of 34 knots, she is the fastest ocean liner in the world. She is the fastest ocean liner in the world. (laughs) At something something knots. 34, Um, that is fast. 34 knots, that is fast, says Nicholas Briggs. Um, sorry, Hal, we've completely neglected your email and started to talk about ocean liners. Um, this happens often. Um, sorry, the subject right. of this one is three cheers for once and future in the house. Um, I've now <laughs> listened to the first three instalments of Doctor Who Once and Future Special Edition on download. They are all terrific. What a treat that Tom Baker and Sadie Miller started things off. It's a grand day each month when a new instalment becomes available. I love hearing voices from different generations of the cast and welcome Stephen Noonan as a new member of the Doctor Who family. Onward! Hal Snyder, MD, Rhett. Retired, I presume that means. Yes, that only just occurred to me. Um... Hal, so that might you may not listen to the first Doctor Adventures, so hearing Stephen Noonan for the first time, that's not, well, that's another range you should probably get into, mate. Get on um, it, get on it. Yeah, that's it for the emails. More next week. Keep them coming. And don't forget, there'll be a drama tease of Luther Arkwright, Heart of the Empire, at the end of this podcast. But first, time to find out what the Fifth Doctor, Peter Davison, is up to next week. Peter Davison. Uh, My name is Peter Davison and I play Doctor Number Five. My name is Sarah Sutton and I play Nyssa of Traken. My name is Janet Fielding and I play Tegan of Australia. Oh, freedom at last! And now to meet your captain. Yes, I'm rather looking forward to this. What is it they say? Never meet your heroes. Hopefully that won't apply here. I don't, this is a very, who are my heroes is a very difficult question. I don't, I don't have many heroes. I have people I admire immensely. I don't know that um, heroes is quite the right word. I'm trying to think of how you'd, how you'd uh, uh, tell that about yourself. You know, who would I, who would I think of? Who do I go to when I'm thinking about, you know, uh, I remember, uh, you know, I would, 
when I was younger. But it was really, um, for example, Steinbeck that turned me on to reading in a big way. I really didn't do much reading at school. Uh, but when I started to read, I, I discovered him and his, his life, I felt, was quite uh, inspiring. The way he presented a, a different side of America. And uh, I, I was thinking the Beatles, actually. Uh, 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 <laughs> 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 I, I, only because I happened to watch, uh, rather than watching the uh, semi-final on TV yesterday, the football semi-final. Uh, by this time, of course, we'll know what happens in the final. But I didn't watch the semi-final. Instead, watched a, a, a film about uh, the touring years of the Beatles. And there was this wonderful thing. Uh, when they went to America and they toured uh, the southern states, uh, um, where there was still segregation in, in those days. And they were just asked at a, at a press conference about it and didn't know anything about it. And all agreed they would refuse to play to a segregated audience. So it was the first time that fans, but black and white, were together. And they stuck by it. They, didn't, they, didn't, they would not be intimidated into saying that that's the way it is over here. Uh, you have to play to a segregated audience. They, they absolutely said they would not do the shows if it was to a segregated audience. They thought it was stupid. They said, that's another four heroes of mine. That's five in all I've got so far, so that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> You've done well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it would be to do with flight for me. So it would be Amy Johnson would be one of the people I admire most. Um, and also a woman that um, knew my dad when he was in... Um, when he was flying, and she, uh, Yvonne Pope Sinters, and she was um, the first female captain of a jet aeroplane in this country. And she broke glass ceilings all over the place at a time when women weren't. And uh, she has an amazing life. She was head of air traffic control in various places, and uh, she's just a brilliant character, bless her. Um, so that, that, would be, that would be my people I admire I think who are pioneers and and took risks uh, physical risks as well as um, uh, you know, ordinary risk I think that's something we're losing a little bit now I think we're also we've become very risk averse I think and it's sort of I just admire these people that actually did actually step out on a on a limb literally in some cases and achieve something well um a hero just means somebody you admire, uh, either for you know the qualities that they embody. And um, I've got two heroes. One is um, real, and one is fictional. So the real hero, I guess, would be um, Marie Curie. She, she was amazing. She was Polish, and she and her sister, they came from a sort of Polish nationalistic family. And they were, and Poland was under uh, Russia at the time, was part of the Russian Empire. And because of their father's uh, Polish nationalism, they weren't allowed to be educated. And uh, the Poles had the thing called the Flying University. And she and her sister, they, they took a turn and turn about. So Bronnie and Mari, Bronnie went off to Paris to get an education and Mari stayed behind and worked to support Bronnie and then the roles were reversed later on and and uh, Mari Curie was the first person and I think still the only person to win a Nobel Prize in two separate uh, disciplines physics and chemistry 
So, you know, smart little cookie. And she was brave, you know, and she had a couple of nervous breakdowns. She was a single mum. Uh, her husband was killed um, when her, I think one of her kids was nine or something. She had an affair with somebody. She got outed by the tabloids in Britain. Oh, it was awful. But she, she kept going and uh, she, it's thanks to her we have radiation treatment for cancer. It killed her, but it, it has saved innumerable lives. And then my fictional heroine, this goes back a long way now, is Red Sonia. And Red Sonia swore never to sleep with any man who couldn't defeat her in battle. And even the almighty Conan, the barbarian, with the comic book series all of his own, could not defeat Red Sonia. All he could manage was a draw. And, um, but you're given to understand that Red Sonia thought that was good enough. And um, I was gutted when um, Brigitte Nielsen was cast as Red Sonia because I had at least been hoping to be allowed to audition. But um, she's nearly a foot taller than me, so that might have been a bit of a barrier. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Ken Bentley and I am responsible for directing Pursuit of the Nightjar. I think it's okay to have heroes and I think it's okay to look up to people who you think have a very high set of standards. I'd almost go so far as to say I think it's important for, for people to um, to have heroes and to, to aspire to something and to be hopefully normally normally when we when we think of somebody as a hero, it's about wanting to be a better version of yourself. It's about think, thinking that somebody is is fantastic is wonderful has has done something incredible and that you yourself could therefore be a better human being so i think heroes are okay i think it's okay to have heroes heroes for me i love hearing about people's heroes because we all have everybody has different heroes and for different reasons and that's fantastic my name is paul thornley and i am playing captain goban my heroes are lots of sportsmen because it's just really hard to commit yourself to any of that. I don't understand polar explorers or people that go up Everest. It's really cold and I don't get it. That's pretty heroic as far as I'm concerned. And obviously, my mum. My name is Fenella Woolgar and I am playing Captain Eslo. When it comes to heroes, I think that it's a dangerous kind of position to take to hold anyone in the heroic position. It's commonly done by younger people. I'm still vaguely young but not really and I think that as you get older you kind of realise that that's neither helpful to the person who's put on the pedestal nor is it helpful to you to see them in that light. People behaving heroically I think is a different thing and so aspects of the way people are Definitely, I can spot heroes. Personally, my heroes tend to be people who manage to not succumb to the pressure of conforming socially, who manage to stop themselves from buying into the, 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 the sort of broader pressure of, of the, the sort of broader social constructs that we've created for ourselves. And uh, one example of that is, um, uh, I'll give you, which is probably my primary hero, was my aunt. My aunt was single, never married, never had children. So she was a, a single professional working woman at a time when that was really, I'd go so far as to say, um, sort of frowned upon and looked down upon. So to actually grow up, grow up 
with a, a very close member of the family being a single professional working woman and being happy with that. That's that was her choice. She was completely happy with that. Um, was was a um, looking back on it now a, a huge influence on me. Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of the Fifth Doctor Adventures. Well, I raised this question, so I better answer it myself. Um, people we admire. Um, I admire people who stand up for their communities, who, when communities are under fire, actually put their head above the parapet. And in my lifetime, it's been people like uh, Jimmy Somerville, who uh, was one of the very first very visible gay men who appeared in my lifetime, I think. Michael Cashman, who was the first gay actor to play a gay character in a soap opera and the tabloids were brutal and vicious towards him and towards EastEnders and printed his home address and um, a brick was thrown through his window but he stood his ground and he went on to uh, with others people like Sir Ian McKellen to lobby for gay marriage and um, because of their movement we ended up with civil partnerships and then gay marriage Russell T. Davis. We can't miss Russell out. I mean, his work has been so incredibly visible for the gay community. Yeah, these are people who, in my lifetime, have changed the world. I mean, just such a positive and incredible force for good. And I admire them hugely. Just go to bigfinish.com and type into the night into the search pane at the top to find this one. Remember, it's released this Thursday, the 7th of September. Rising Intonation. Intonation. Um, <laughs> Intonation. Uh, coming up soon. Terry Nation. Terry Nation. Peter Davison. Peter Davison. Um, coming up soon, we'll be giving you a 15-minute drama tease of Luther Arkwright. I'm turning into Patrick Allen, Luther Arkwright, Heart of Empire. Starring David Tennant, out this Thursday. But first, it's... Peter Davis, sorry, the Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. That's right, and it's come in at 8.6. Doctor Who Companion Chronicles The Dying Light. Oh, who's in that then? So, in this one, we've got Fraser Hines and Wendy Pabry, and it's guest starring Terry Malloy as Quadriga Stoin. <laughs> Did you just make that up? <laughs> it does sound like something I'd make up, isn't it? Quadrant Stein. Uh, well, it was re- recorded on the 7th of November 2012 at the moat. Good lord. Anyway, look, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions Doctor Who, The Companion Chronicles, The Dying Light. According to the Doctor, we'd ended up off course again. As landings went, though, oh, we had worse. <laughs> Some dying planet this is. Yes, unless I'm mistaken, uh, none of this has been built. What? I I think it's been carved. The the entire city has been carved out of this mount. It's not like any monastery I've ever seen. Then there was a scream from above. Yes, neck's broken. I, um, I think we should see your abbot now. Close the door, James McCrimmon. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. Fantastic. Lovely to have such brilliant performers in this. Fraser, Wendy, Terry, some of my favourite people. Lovely. Safe pair of hands, that, innit? Safe pair of hands. You know it's going to be good. Script by Nick Wallace. Um, I've not really encountered his work. 
And um, the uh, director was Lisa Bauman. Brilliant. Again, safe pair of hands. It is. It is. Um, well, uh, while I emailed Jackie Emery, the content manager at Big Finish, to inform her of our random selection uh, so that she can set the offer live on the bigfinish.com website, Benji, give it to us straight. How do we get the discount? No mucking around here, Nick. You go to bigfinish.com. Right. Sounds like I'm doing some kind of organised crime, doesn't it? We're going in the bank at 12. <laughs> you go to bigfinish.com. When you're there, don't muck about. Go straight to the podcast page. I've got my eye on you, son. Once you're there, go straight to the Read More section. That's right. the red bar next to the picture of myself and Nick. Once you're in there, look around for cameras. Make sure none of them see you. And it says at the bottom there, just click here and enter the code back up. That's what you do. You enter it in. You don't muck around. You don't mess about. And you don't stick around to find out what happens. You enter buck up. That's B-U-C-K-U-P. Enter that in and you'll get 25% reduction on your selective release. Once you got that, run out of back, get in the car and get out of there before the fuzz arrive. <laughs> there we go. Well, amazing. Thank you very, was, very much. That was uh, the renowned criminal Terry... Bryce. There we go. <laughs> That's a brilliant randomly selected name as well. Terry uh, Bryce. Super job, Ran. The next week's podcast is called Martian Maneuvers because it features uh, the next instalment, the fifth instalment, in fact, of our Doctor Who 60th anniversary story, Once and Future, <gasps> um, which is entitled The Martian Invasion of Planetoid 50. And that's out on Tuesday, the 12th of September. And then there's Gallifrey War Room 2 Maneuvers. And that's on Thursday, the 14th of September. Sorry, mate? You said manoeuvres. I just said manoeuvres. I don't know why. I just <laughs> I, did, I just said it. I didn't realise I said it. Manoeuvres. Uh, uh, right. Uh, just a little sneak preview of the next edition of Vortex, our free magazine, which you can find at bigfinish.com. Um, in that, uh, Kenny Smith, the brilliant editor who's been... Uh, working on Vortex for a million years and it's stupendous reminds me I've got to answer some questions about Cybermen for him um, he uh, called the article about Gallifrey War Room 2 manoeuvrability but with the font that um, uh, Mark Plasto the brilliant designer who does all our design concept stuff had chosen uh, it, it was a block capital font all very narrow can you imagine the word manoeuvrability in block capitals <laughs> it was almost impossible to decipher what it was it was like some strange <laughs> language it took me i had to go through it letter by letter like i'd never read english before <laughs> i don't know how they solved it probably it. ignored me that's usually the solution around it so it's just, like, just don't read the title just read the article don't <laughs> worry about that anyway but don't forget to, to, to download vortex and those of you who get uh, cds uh, usually get uh, a free copy of the printed version Certainly do. It's well worth a go. There's lots of interesting little tidbits oh, God, in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, packed. You know, uh, Kenny does all his own interviews. There's lots of new material in there. Yeah, he's a good lad, is our Kenny. Oh, good taste in crisps. Uh, in the meantime, though, it only remains for me to say this. This edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it. So I did. And of course, Benji and I did this. For, for the, the love, love of stories. stories. The other thing about Kenny, of course, is that he introduced me to the whole sort of um, f deep frying of uh, confectionery bars in... in um, oh, deep fried Mars bar. I've not had one in many a year, but I yeah. used to love them growing up. I think I had a Snickers. 
Yeah, oh, very nice. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a delight, but uh, you know, guaranteed indigestion. Guaranteed. Have a Rennie. They should sell those with it. You know, like it could be like a napkin or something. All right, here's your here's your deep fried. And finally on the Big Finish podcast, Luther Arkwright, Heart of Empire, Daughter of Albion, starring David Tennant. And a reminder that this production contains some adult themes. There are an infinity of universes, each flowing from a single event. Parallels reliant on each other for existence, but detached and separate. Effect follows cause. Tick follows tock. Variations of history and historical figures falling in variations of love, fighting variations of war. A variation of London, the heart of empire. The dour capital of Cromwell's Commonwealth has been transformed into the flower of cities all. A new Babylon, an architectural fantasia where they say the streets are paved with gold. The rich parade themselves like cattle the vulgarity of their fashion, a clash of modern and historical styles, recreated in Semite and cloth of gold, decadent and superior. Sexual liberation and overindulgence, a reaction to the centuries-long austerity of Puritan prudery, an austerity destroyed 23 years ago by the angel of death. said he saw you heading this way. Here, you okay? Oh, we couldn't get the armour off those weird-looking Puritan bastards. They're still alive. Well, so, it's like their brains have gone. So we're burning them all in piles. That should finish them off. Don't have to stink the place out, though. Oh, any road. Where are the bosses now, eh? That's right, Harry. That's right. 
Give them a suitably royal air. Uh, Luther, say something. Anne, I have to go. Go? Oh, yes. To her funeral. Your rebel harlot. Highgate Cemetery, isn't it? Yes. Rose's funeral. Off you run if you must. We will see you later, won't we? After all, you're all mine now. a bit parky. Could have picked a warmer day for it. And no wake. I was like a pie and a pint after a funeral. Don't you feel the cold? Not anymore. <sighs> You're a Roman Luther, aren't you? Thanks, Harry. What are you looking at? The tomb of Karl Marx. <laughs> In another time, another place. This is where it all began. Marx, eh? Only room for one philosophy in my life. The world according to Harry Fairfax. A fine one it is too, Harry. What's that down there? A tarot card. Destiny. Goodbye, old friend. Where are you going, you daft but If you wanted a pee, you could have waited. Oh, stop messing about. Come out from behind there. Well, I'll be a fart's mistress. Oh, he's done it. <laughs> he's only gone and bloody done it. <laughs> I am Luther Arkwright. The assassin. The reaper. The avenging angel of the apocalypse. 23 years ago, I began a revolution. 23 years to rebuild, reform, recreate. And then, the cataclysm would come again. Twenty-three years later, five days to cataclysm. In memoriam, 
a memorial to Luther Arkwright. This eyesore should have been demolished years ago. Brothers, sisters, an end to tyranny. We have a right to political representation. Join the levelers in demonstration here at the Crystal Palace, Sunday at noon. You there, idiot. You could be hanged for such a mode of sedition. Gonna report me, your ladyship. Typical aristocrat. God's teeth, you look Let like... me see your grubby little pamphlet. Hey! Appalling. Burn them and you may avoid the hangman. All we want is a freely elected parliament. Now I know you're an idiot. A return to the mob rule of monsters like Nathaniel Cromwell? That route leads to mediocrity. Could that have been born of mediocrity? The Crystal Palace, an obscene temple to imperialist greed designed by that harlot, the Princess Royal. Good day, idiot. I'm a poet! What's the difference? Barlow? Barlow? Victory is almost upon us if all the exhibits are not in situ by... Hey, wait. I didn't tell you... What? Oh, the poet. I, I didn't tell you who you look like. What? Look at the picture, see? Same eyes. The white hair. You could be twins. Gabriel Shelley. You dare compare me to this... Commoner. He's addressing a public meeting in three days ahead of the celebrations. He's a genius. Will you attend? Why... Why would I wish to see some amateur anarchist address his rabble? I thought... You thought wrong. The Princess Royal does not associate with... Oh. Princess... Oh, no. Forgive me, Princess Victoria. If... Enough! Barlow, throw this idiot out. I must... I must leave. Mistress, your things have arrived for the Victory Eve mask. The Britannia costume. Did they adhere to my design? The shield must... Mm. Are you all right, mistress? Mm. Of course I'm not all right. When am I ever all right? Damned headache, mistress. I'm fine. The dizziness abates. I'm... The costume is... Wait. Why is this here? Your mother ordered Lord Hurst's Battle of London painting to be brought out of storage to honour Sunday's celebrations. I was there. And this tableau speaks false. Yes. There you are in the picture. Newborn and bloody. Being held aloft by Lady Diana. Such a loyal lady-in-waiting. Your mother, Queen Anne, of course. And her illustrious consort, General Arkwright. Who is fighting elsewhere? Sir Harry Fairfax. I know he was there. Uncle Harry. Nan Rose Wilde, dressed as Britannia as you will be on Sunday. Roosevelt was with my father and the daughters of Albion. She died in his arms. Britannia fights for Albion! And there's Dr. John Dee, holding your brother, Prince Henry, aloft. Dee. I can make use of that old babbler. My headache worsens. Beg pardon, mistress. Yes, 
I often see Dee grubbing about for herbs in the gardens. They say he's taken refuge in quarters beneath the palace wine cellars. I thought my mother had banished him. I have something to attend to. I shall be fitted for my costume later. Do you lurk within... Ah! Who? Why, it's little Vicky. Nobody calls me that anymore. Come in, child, come in. Get lost, puss. Shoo! Dee, what earwig's nest is this? Don't tell on me. She'll throw me out again. Terrible way to treat a man of... 90. Uh, 80. Yes, 80. Shut up and mix me a draft. Migraine. The cork quacks are useless. Ah, yes. I've heard of your malady. I've been keeping an eye on you, little Vicky. I delivered you. In battle. Bombs and Dee, your... the draft. Hmm? What? Ah, oh yes. How does this migraine manifest? Headache, nausea, memory loss and the occasional blackout. How often? All the time. Since childhood. And nothing eases it? Certain, um, remedies provide brief relief. Mm. <laughs> I can imagine. Ah, have a servant bring me your next evacuation. I'll need it to diagnose... You're not serious. Much can be divined from such things. Why were you banished? D. It wasn't because of my interest in those matters of bodily evacuation, Vicky. That is purely scientific. I didn't think it was. That was a long time ago. It was beyond my skill to save him. I tried. Henry. Your brother, yes. Here, drink. Oh, oh this is vile. <laughs> <laughs> no medicine ever tasted good. I was there when the attack took place. Parts of the palace were still under construction. It was easy for the terrorists to gain entry. Your brother was in the line of fire. Your mother was a stout. The bullets seemed to bounce off her. She slew them where they stood as Henry lay dying. Diana and I did our best. Half his head was blown off. The Queen wouldn't accept it. All my skill. Powerless to bring him back. Your mother banished me that very day, as if she blamed me. <laughs> she blamed me for being alive. Thank the master of high works, you weren't there. Don't drag him into it. I had harpsichord practice. Was Lady Diana banished? No. She was devoted to you and Henry. She went to Lally Tap. Oh, Diana. Been in Bedlam ever since. They say she's a demoniac. <laughs> what 
do they know? Fools and charlatans, the lot of them. Did you know my father? The great Luther Arkwright? No. Never met the royal consul. Mm, that makes two of us. Abducted and assassinated by Puritan malcontents. Oh, so they say. He was said to be exceptional in all regards. Don't mince words. Big finish for the love of stories.